Welcome to Canadian Parksido, everybody. Charles Pickett is back. Matt Wright is me. Not liking <laughs> talking about myself in the first person, but we do not redo intros on this podcast. Oh, oh you, you, I, was, I, I was ready to say, like, we've made it to double digits. This is episode 10, which is, yeah. And, and Isn't it nine? Oh, we're off to a hot start. If I got the <laughs> I, I thought it was 10. I thought this was the 10th week. Oh no! This is oh, horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna live my life thinking that this is episode ten, and if next week is episode ten, it's episode ten B, and that's that's all I'm gonna. That's no, gonna Charles, we're on episode nine. You're preemptively celebrating. Oh yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I'm actually I I would be I'm happier with us having that little miscommunication on episode nine rather than us kicking off our first double digit our only first you know double digit episode with whatever just happened. My God. <laughs> Our producer just messaged that is the Patrick Stefan empty net of podcast intros, and I couldn't I agree more. Yeah, I, I literally only had to be able to count to 10 and uh, didn't get it done. Didn't oh, get it Christ. done. So we had uh, lined up our next two guests for the next... Uh, the, before last week, we knew that Rob Bevanek was going to come on and talk about the Canucks and that Tim Gray was going to come on and talk about the Jets. But we flipped it because we were going to get Tim to come on and because it was when the Leafs and the Jets were having those heated games. But then we we're like, no, what might be happening right now is at, as, as of one week ago, Monday last week, there was a, about a 20% chance that, you know, a 25% chance that either Calgary or Vancouver could make a push. And as of what happened last week, that is over. It's not mathematically oh, yeah. over, but it is, uh, that's not happening. That, that's yeah. They're they're uh, they're putting. They got the shovels ready. They're digging the grave for that coffin, man. Like that it is, is not over. Happening. Uh, I I feel relief. I feel a sense of relief for Calgary Flames fans because it's just like they're watching it and they're like, uh, maybe. Ah, oh, damn it, no. But still, oh, maybe almost. Maybe don't. And it's like the the uh, Dumb and Dumber meme. Like, so you're saying there's a chance? Yeah, but then, I mean, you would rather that, wouldn't you? You'd rather a chance. Uh, I don't know, man. Once what do you mean? No, that, I don't know. What, you you would rather not have a chance for the playoffs and have a chance for the playoffs. But did they really have a chance? They had That's a twenty percent chance. Like, uh, I, the band aid right off for me. Like, we're Leafs fans. We can remember our team being out of it in early March and being like... I have drafted. never confirmed on this podcast that I'm a Leafs fan, so... <laughs> I don't know. Speculating. Uh, I'm speculating. I, I think ale- allegedly, I think we've thrown allegedly in front of that. There was a chance. I mean, for the sake of this podcast, I was really hoping someone was going to do something fucking dumb. Same. And that's not what happened. Instead of that, the Ottawa Senators happened. The Ottawa Senators, I love it because there are two villains in this division. The Toronto Maple Leafs, who are the big, I'm not going to say unstoppable because I will surely eat those words. And they're not an unstoppable team, but they're like the big team who's good. That's one type of villain. The other type of villain is the little team who's really annoying. And my God, the Sens were sensing this week. The sickos were fucking sick right off the bat that monday night they beat the canucks then they beat the canucks again the canucks lost to the leafs twice uh the sands almost took points away from the habs of all teams and and they uh they went two and one they're hot man the sands are six three and one in the last 10 and then there's people there's people who would have the mindset of me that are just screaming about the draft pick now too they're like how could you like we're, we're so close i'm with you man they've, they've changed the lottery rules too so they might play themselves out of the lottery picture which would be just that would be the true sicko move uh i would liken it to the leafs are guilty by being good and the sins are guilty by being annoying yeah uh and and I, I would like to sum up on why the leafs are and like people are like Oh, I don't know if the Leafs are guilty. That's how they built the team. I would like to sum up in a screen-capped tweet on why the Leafs 
and a set, uh, by extension, their fan base are guilty by being good. Direct quote and an article that I did not read that accompanied it. If you take out the 10 games oh where he couldn't shoot the puck, Matthews was on pace for roughly a goal per game, which is more impressive than oh, Gretzky's no. 92 season. Matt, if you take out the intros that I fuck up and only leave the good ones, <laughs> I am flawless at this. It's like, yeah, yeah, there's a reason everyone hates us, and you know what? I think it might be warranted. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? Honestly, John Cullen warned us about this. We had John on a few weeks ago, and he said that he lives in Vancouver, but he hates the Canucks because it's the worst Twitter fan base that's there. And my God, did the Edler Wayne Simmons discourse ever prove that point? I don't know where to begin. (laughs) I I don't know. Well, not even but it's not even the Edler discourse. It started instantly with like the first goal the Leafs scored. And like, I think the guy did a fist pump and Vancouver Canucks Twitter was just like shaking and angry. They're like, how dare they? Do they not know what the last month was for this team? How dare they celebrate a goal? And it's like, then they put their top power play out. Oh, that was William Nylander who did that, by the way. Yeah, and it's like all of this. And then finally it it came to Twitter's ultimate boiling point. You could argue that hockey Twitter is all boiling point. Uh, They were like, well, I can't believe Wayne Simmons fought Alex Edler. That's not fair. Alex Edler's got like four inches and 12 pounds on the guy. Yeah, I mean, he's never, I mean, I will say there's there's a couple levels to this. One is some people are like, the code is stupid. And that, honestly, I can get behind. Yeah, I can, I agree. It's, but it's, it's like, don't players. play wrong, it's okay. Like, I think I struggle with this because in the heat of the moment, sometimes I'm like, I, I do enjoy watching a fight. You know what I mean? It's. I'm not saying I never do enjoy watching a fight because sometimes I do, but I don't know how I feel about, like, you can, at least at this point, we could say that it's a little dumb. Just a little yeah. dumb. Now, the thing is, like, Hyman is, Zach Hyman is still out. Uh, as Alex Edler is back after two games. I know that it's not really, oh, it's, it's you know, you're not going to suspend someone based on the length of the injury, of course. But it's, it's, it's if there's, a, I, it's hard to say there's not a, be, a bit of a score to settle there. Hmm. Here's here's my thought on this, and, and and I agree as someone who's you know played three hockey games in my entire life, none of which were with a ranked league, one of which we called offsides. Uh, I can say all day until I'm blue in the face that the code is dumb, but until the players that are in the NHL all agree that the code is dumb, the code, the code, and I'm doing air quotes here, is gonna stick around, and that's yep. kind of the thing, like. Alex Edler was asked, so this is my big thing. But no one really knows what it is, though. It's not like it's 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 it's, an informal description. It's just like something that people throw out when they're mad. Yeah, but like Alex Edler was asked to fight, and he said yes. Yep. This is in a hockey arena in Vancouver against Mm -hmm. the Canucks, in which there was a player who was asked to fight and said no, and then it came before a judge for 10 years. So Vancouver Canucks fans kind of don't get a seat at this table. They just don't like, and then they're like, Oh, Toronto's sore losers. Um, you burned down the city after the game seven. Like, Oh, that's so true. Never call yeah, like, anyone I a just, sore loser ever. Yeah. Like I just, I, I, I know that's not all Canucks fans. There were a certain group of people who were going to do that if they won or lost and, and all of that. And I wasn't there, but when you got like people like cars on fire and Roberto Lalongo jerseys, you're gonna, I'm sorry. Did you, you just say Roberto that. Lalongo? I said I wasn't going to say his name in the group chat earlier, and I was like, I'll try it. I'm going to throw it out because that was the most common jersey back then, and I couldn't pick either Sedin. I just could I was like, I can't say Henrik or Daniel. Uh, back to the fighting thing. I do agree that fighting is dumb, and it's kind of getting less and less, but I'm also a product of, like, late 1990s WWF wrestling Oh my and God, Charles! I, yeah, like how many wrestling references are you going to drop on this? Podcast? Well, I like I would get excited when they would hurl Mick Foley off of a cage that was twenty feet in the air. You and see I was that old that's enough not to connected, though. It definitely is, man. You jump out of your seat for both, even though you know it's like, ee. 
Oh, I jump out of the seat when my landline rings. That doesn't mean that it's... Let's Buddy, bring this back to... Hang on. Let's bring this back to hockey. I get, I get nervous whenever my phone rings. I don't know why I'm jumping out of my seat. Okay, so Edler has one fight. Sorry. And it was last week. And I'm not sure he threw a punch in it. Uh, Simmons has 70. And I will say that Wayne Simmons, this is pre-Leafs, frightens me when he fights i'm like oh this man is going to i've never once been worried that he's going to i know he's lost fights but it just seems obscene but i will say that simmons got a couple licks on him i think edler had the understanding that that was going to happen he took a bunch and then he dropped to a knee and simmons stopped right away i do i think the an interesting thing is that the players no one said squadly boo Hmm. but then twitter another thing is you know well yeah then twitter but like I think people kind of fail to see uh, if a hockey player genuinely wanted to hurt another hockey player, it's not that fucking hard, man. Like yeah. if, if some guy goes out there with the intent to hurt a guy, it's, they're not going to need to start a fight to do it. Yeah. Like, and, and, and that's, you know, and I'm not saying that like, yes, Edler's play was dirty. I'm not thinking that he poked that knee out, uh, I think he poked that knee out to stop the player because he was caught too far up on the ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he put it out there thinking like, I'm going to fucking ruin this guy's leg. But yeah, y- you know, you, it's dirty though. Like, I would agree with yeah, that. Oh, I, I don't think it was dirty. an intent to injure, but it was a very reckless play. It was, which it was results a reckless play in a lot and of it, injuries and he's and done was, before. Yes, and it was an intent to kind of stop this guy dead in his tracks to offset a bonehead move that he made at the end of like a fucking two and a half minute shift. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was, uh, and that's uh, that's entirely too much time on something that I spent like I don't know twenty two minutes a day at least doom scrolling and getting takes on since well, Saturday or whatever the let's, fuck. It let's was. move off it because I think the the yeah. real thing is is that the Canucks went zero and four, and I think that's a real lesson in. Uh, we've talked about this a bunch of times in the podcast. Uh, what is a great story and is memorable is very rarely it's it's nice to get caught up in that stuff and as a fan i love the idea of the canucks coming back from COVID and getting but the signs are all there like the canucks last year or sorry last week when they were coming back that they were last in scoring chances for and against which is the c word which is coursing uh last in expected goals and they were first in save percentage and that you know I mean, I want to be a guy who gets all jazzed up because it's like, oh, my God, there's magic dust in the air, and they're coming back, and it's going to be fun. But time and time again, it just shows that this team – yeah, or sorry, that this sport, you know, it if it's the Canucks losing at the bottom of the division or the Leafs on top, there are signs that what is happening and is not sustainable – and it's a little silly to get excited or sad about either one. Yeah, I think I think that's fair to say. Like, I think we've all watched, you know, when we saw them come back, I think the idea of them making the playoffs was like, we all watched Rocky one too many times type of thing, you know? It's, it just would have been cool. <laughs> it would have been fun to watch. Well, and I mean, yeah, and they've had a horrendous been. season. They lost Pedersen the whole time. It's just, mm-hmm. this was not a, this was not a good year for the, the Vancouver Canucks, but that's, that's enough. I think that's enough Canucks stuff for now, because I mean, it was more likely that the flames were going to do it. And it, that Saturday night win for the Montreal Canadians. I don't know if you saw that game. I watched that game uh, next to a, a Montreal Canadians fan. And I'm trying to remember honestly, now, I think I... kind of a cool story. Like for, for two things. One, if they didn't win that game against the Senators, there, it would have been a significant change in what was likely to happen. But it really was a bit of a nail in the coffin for the Flames. The Flames are not dead the, for what it's worth here now. Uh, money, Mo- Montreal's money puck odds last week were 72. Now they're 96% to make the playoffs. Calgary was at 20. Now they're at five. So it's yeah. not, you know. Unless I'm not, there's magic dust. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm. I'm not betting on that. Even I'm not betting. No matter what the odds are, I'm not betting on that. But uh, that Habs game, I was trying to remember which one. I thought you were talking uh, about the last time they faced off against the Flames. So, no, the Habs game on on Saturday. Uh, 
made me a couple of greenbacks because they went down uh, early to the Sens. They went down early and I hit that live bet button and I was like, there's no way they're losing this. There's no way because it's just such. So I hit that live bet button and uh, then they come back and tie it and pull within one, but they disallow a goal. Uh, yeah. And then it goes to, so it goes to overtime, and it, it just so happened like I was the Leafs game was more or less over at that point. So I flipped. I used my small screen for the Leafs and the big screen for the Habs, and uh, just caught the theatrical uh, conclusion of the game with Cole Caulfield's yeah, first exactly. goal. All I could think about was if you are a Montreal Canadian player, it's Saturday night, it's the Bell Center. It's hockey night in Canada and it's overtime and you get your first goal. That is unreal. The only thing he was cheated of is there's no fans in the building. Because I know. that and place I, would have would have become unglued. It would have been one of the loudest and like Cole Caulfield just coming in and you just knew as soon as not even until the puck was on his stick, as soon as you saw the angle Some, he was making there, yeah. was like once this he was kid is gonna score. When, when he was skating towards the net, I was like, Yeah, they're, they're, this is it, this is the one. Um, it came, and I cannot believe the Ottawa Senators line change choices in overtime. It was like two guys stayed out for three minutes and they had opportunities to dump the puck, and they're like. No, I think I've got a shooting lane here. Poof, off the glass, clear. They're back-checking as hard as they can. So it was only a matter of time. Very interesting note on this. In their home debut, no Hab has scored the overtime winning goal until Eric Stahl did it over a couple of weeks ago. And then immediately, like 11 days later, Caulfield does it. So it never happened in like oh, wow. 107 years and it happened twice in 11 days. That's a magic that's, dust right there. That's some, you it was really exciting. Dust. Great celebration. I watched a video. Let me call myself out here for a bad take that I did not say out loud. But I, So I guess that's a thought. It's not really a take if I don't put it out there. But I'll put it out there now just in the interest of humility. So I watched a video of a guy in his basement reacting to the Cole Caulfield goal. Now, that stuff always like kind of strikes me as a bit. I'm like, why don't you set up a camera to watch how you react to something? It's a very like, I mean, that said, that's not that abnormal now. It's, it's very normal that people don't take videos of things. People take videos of themselves in front of things. You know, it's, they want to be part of it. I get it. It's a human instinct. I'm not trying to be a snob. But this guy was losing his mind absolutely freaking out. And he was like jumping and screaming. And I was like, buddy. You're five and five in the last ten. You are not doing well. This is this game means doesn't mean that much, and you're reacting like you want a cup. Now that was my instinct. Mm-hmm. Now this is what I came around on, which is that we're in a fucking pandemic, and if anything makes you happy at all, that is beautiful. And you know what? Montreal has a decent to good team, and that kid is going to be unbelievable. And he looks like a five-year-old hobbit. And he is just delightful. Like one of the nice ones that you wouldn't expect to be helpful. But then he like beats up. You know what I mean? I haven't seen Lord of the Rings in a long time. I'm a little out of my depth. My point is it's like there's a certain element of like I know that it's, it's natural in sports to be combative with other fans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of bred into us like tribally. But it, I was like, you know what? Something made a man in the middle of a global health crisis happy and good. They deserve it. Uh, I, kind I never of, said they deserved I, it. <laughs> I, I kind of wish, I wish that I had the, uh, any form of filmed reaction to the Matthews fourth goal in his debut because I just went complete laughing fit like the Joker movie. Like, I just could not contain any other reaction besides, like, maniacal, twisted laughter. Because I was just like, what is happening? Uh, of course, the I took my shirt off. Game. You took your shirt off? I took my tarp off. Where were you at behind? Where were you I was in an apartment with off? two other fellows. Oh, okay. I thought you were in public somewhere. I was oh, at... That? I was at, oh, I've, I've seen a man take a shirt off in celebration of a Habs goal, actually, in public, and he climbed up on a table at Don Cherry's 
hauled his shirt off, climbed up on a table. It was like a 3 p.m. start Super Bowl game. So there's fellas eating their dinner. And this guy is, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. You know what, though? Great story. If you're eating dinner at 3 p.m. at Don Cherry, well, no, it started. you're right it's, for expecting it, any better. <laughs> <laughs> the game started at 3. But uh, I went to a place and, like, went to watch the game. And I was like, hey, can we get the sound on? And the people were like, no. Oh, that's a huge pet peeve of mine. If you have a sports yeah. bar and you won't play the fucking game sound, it's literally half the experience. It makes me so angry. Yeah. I've been at bars that like, play techno music. I'm like, what do you think people are, are – no one's going to dance. Turn off this techno. <laughs> I'm furious. And uh, they were like, no, we can't do it. So uh, that was about three to four minutes from Puck Drop. And literally, like, the person was just giving us our beer. And I was like, no, we're all going to chug these, pay, and immediately run to the next fucking bar on the road. And just got there in time for, like, I think we might have missed, like, 90 seconds of the game or something. But all I could think about was how non-eventive it would have been if I just stayed there with the techno music playing and people clinking their glasses and stuff. Like, I just don't think it would have been the same reaction but that uh, i understand people getting worked up for their top prospects first goal is what i was getting at it's nice it's nice for people it's, to, you it's know nice to see. uh and also not to be lost in that was that caden primo played in net during that game and he had a great start so you know for a team that is has a very you know an old core frankly it's gonna it is interesting to see them uh see how quickly these kids can make an impact I will say that like Jake Allen had two rough games last week and I'm wondering if we're starting to see what he, if he's struggling with the starters load a little bit, but they're also playing an insane amount of games. They're playing every, like every second day. Like it's hard to, uh, it's hard, it's hard to keep throwing them in like that. I know Carey Price is scheduled to resume skating tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's a, that's kind of a little look at where he's at with respect to his injury. Now I know they, they buzzed him in the crease there last week, which, I fucking that's one of my least favorite things when a guy skates through a goalie's crease when he doesn't need to and chicken wings him. Yeah. Uh, just just trash. really trash. That's the easiest word. So I don't know how close he is, but I did read that he is skating tomorrow. One last thing on the Montreal Canadiens. What the fuck is up with the mustaches? Have you noticed this? <laughs> Joel Edmondston, uh kind of looked like Yvonne of the Yukon or something. Like he had this big red beard. <laughs> yeah. Motley red beard, and as did Jeff Petrie. So I'm guessing they were like, hey, we both can't have this big red beard. You got to shave it into a 1996 cop mustache, is the only way I could describe Joel Edmondston's mustache. Uh, and then, like, the next game, Petrie comes out with a giant duster of a mustache. Well, man, there's a young man in Toronto who might have started a little trend. No, these are these are not uh, these are not Matthews mustaches. Uh, much to the, uh, you know, th- those. Uh, these yeah. are these are your your dad who works night shifts mustaches. Yeah. Like Calgary to bring it back to Calgary, that looks like you know they had a shot, and it looks like that's kind of gone. There, but to be you know, they are they're they're barely. It seems like they never allow goals. Markstrom found his form at Calgary. It's just like I wonder if they're one of those teams that if they were an, if this was an eighty-two game season, they could have pulled something out of it. I, I think, yeah, I, I would think, and if it was an 82-game season, the divisions would be different as well. you got to think that would have a – it wouldn't have been as, as tightly compressed. Uh, with Calgary, the only thing I would do is you got to bring back Harvey the Hound. That's the only thing that's changing this. Come on, man. <laughs> that's, my Harvey the Hound joke didn't fly, eh? Isn't well, it, is he their mascot? It's the it's the hound. This is what happened, and I was like, you you really you really teed that up really nicely, and I I literally I'm in a rolly chair, and I rolled in to hear you better, which is insane because I'm wearing headphones, so the sound (laughs) does not change. But I thought you had like, I thought you had oh, you thought I had like a real idea, and then you said Harvey the Hound, and I I, one one how dare you? (laughs) That is a real idea. How dare you? How dare have you? you ever seen a, have you ever seen a mascot agitate a coach to the point where he's willing to take an assault charge, sir? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Sam Bennett watched real quick. Six points in three games last week. So uh, <laughs> they probably, if they had Sam Bennett, they would have won those games. I mean, I know. No, he'd, he'd, be, he'd be playing like 
seven minutes and 32 seconds on the fourth line and all defensive zone starts. Well, still, still their fault. Still their yeah. fault, man. Oh, no, I, I agree. I, uh, it's nice to see. I love to see a player come through and uh, just make a little bit of magic happen. Speaking of magic, not a bad segue. Oh, no, wait. I have one more Montreal thing. Let's talk about the power horse. Speaking of uh, animals, since you seem to want to. <laughs> um, hold up. Hold up. Who are you calling the power horse? Okay, so this is another thing. Maybe this is kind of thematic this week. This is another thing that I initially thought was stupid, but now I think it's funny. That's what the Habs call Josh Anderson. They call him the power horse. And I was like, that's the stupidest nickname I've ever heard in my life. And it is, but it's kind of fun because it came from an accident. Thomas Tatar tried to call him a power a powerhouse and a workhorse and accidentally called him a power horse. So because okay. that's the origin, I now think that's an awesome nickname. But right. he said one of the most bewildering things today about <laughs> okay. the Leafs. Okay. Yeah, like today, we got to talk about this. He said, what did he say? He said that the Leafs would not be in first if they didn't beat us so many times. And I'm like, who are you burning? I'm trying to find – so I've seen this make its rounds and like, sports graphics and stuff like that. I'm trying for the life of me to find a clip where he literally says this because I, I, I cannot believe it to be authentic. Like, I've seen it shared in, like, all of these Instagram accounts and their stories and stuff like that, and there's an image of Josh Anderson and, and – uh, You think there's a conspiracy that someone is putting words in I, Josh Anderson's mouth? You don't think a 240-pound man might have said a dumb thing? I Not that dumb. Not that fucking dumb. That's the only, like, I, I read it and I was like, one, that's like the biggest self-own I have ever fucking seen. It's like, I know. You know they're, only, it's, they're only so good because they beat us all the time. Until I no, I can't. I refuse to believe that until I see a video of him saying it and I can see, well, Unfortunately, they're at Zoom, but like, can you imagine? I miss those media scrums where you could see everyone crowded around. Because, can you imagine him saying that in his locker stall and then looking at the faces on all of these other reporters crowded around? <laughs> like, they'd all be obviously making a face. All right, so we are, uh, we got 10 minutes before we bring on our friend, our, uh, our guest. So Tim Gray is going to come on and talk Jets. So let's uh, let's do a little let's do a little bit more. I guess let's bring in the Leafs. Oh wait, well no no, let's co- there's not a lot going on in Edmonton right now. But McDavid is looking for a hundred, which yeah gives us something to look for. <laughs> not not a lot going on except one guy is already matched an Art Ross within the last fucking ten years. Yeah, the Jamie. He's got eighty seven points. Uh, he's got thirteen to go to get a hundred. I think he lands right on 100. He doesn't get 99. He doesn't get 101. He gets 100 on the button. I hope it's so. It's been so insane that – so I'm a degenerate gambler, you see. So I like to I like to bet on the ponies. All right, Charles, we have nine minutes. We can't get too deep into your gambling. <laughs> I know you have a problem, but this is I can't offer you support right now. So they, they have lowered all of the odds on a McDavid goal and over two points. They've just – slash the odds on it because it's almost a given they're like it's, yeah we're tired and that's of crazy uh yeah it's, it's, it's something we barely talked about him and we said this last week i just don't it's it's hard to be like this guy's fucking unprecedented Connor mcdavid is insane no real way I, to talk about it uh unless you got something charles see, but don't yeah, forget well, we got here's space. the thing i know i know i know i want to see what he's able to do because i called him the most improved player like i called him the most improved player this season Mm-hmm. I want to see what tool he adds to his toolbox coming back next year. Because I think he's going to be like, you know what? I'm not scoring enough goals. Fuck this. Next year I'm scoring like 60 goals. Well, oof, I hope so. Speaking of scoring goals, the Rocket Richard, not the trophy, the man, Jason Spezza, has moved across, uh, moved past him on the all-time points list, which is very exciting. I wanted to talk that real quick. Segue. That is Thanks, buddy. That Thank was you. fucking flawless. This is a man under the pressure of a ticking clock right now. <laughs> and Charles is still trying to squeeze in one more Hell in the Cell reference somewhere. So it's <laughs> um, a couple of great quotes from the Leafs. Uh, Jack Campbell is, uh, I mean, there's. do you have any doubt that, for, this is a speed round, by the way. Do you have any doubt okay. that he is the man to play for the Leafs in the playoffs? No doubt. No doubt at all. 
that's the perfect response. Two yeah, goals he led in last week and the whole week. He's got a one GAA yeah. and a 967 save percentage of those two games. He was on one. And then he said, this is a quote he gave there. They asked him about uh, Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza. And he said, I can't believe Jumbo and Spets are my buddies. He's the purest, most lovely man in the world. Dude, you're, you're having like, I'm not saying that he's having a Vesna like caliber season, but like his numbers in, if he played a full workload, people will be talking about it and still he's like he's he's like a fan he should be on this podcast just or well, i mean he should be if he'd like to but he's he's just so pure i'm so happy for him i've never been happier for an athlete i expect him to reach out and be like yeah uh fans of your guys work of what i've heard uh, you're both you're both friends of mine and then spend an hour and 40 minutes with us if you know what i bet he'd say he said he said charles you're a nice guy you have to get that gambling under control um okay so sheldon keith talking about emotions is a very emotional man uh austin matthews scored had an insane game last week scored uh, a goal and an assist i think and they asked him they asked a, a vague question about like what was it like to play you know how is it what's it like to watch a guy who's so clearly on top of this game and this is what sheldon keith said he said I appreciate that he bailed out Nick Felino for forcing a puck into the middle that could have been a turnover. So he just gets he gets asked this lob softball question wow. um, that about a player who's playing out of his mind and takes it as an offer, opportunity to shit on a veteran who literally has like the best reputation for doing those things correctly. I it's like why do you say that? I wouldn't call it shitting on him. I would just be like. Yeah, before what? we get too ahead of ourselves here, you yeah, know. Okay, hang a- on. So he got asked a question about about Austin Matthews' performance, and he moved it to to say that he bailed out Nick Felino for a not even actual turnover, a potential turnover, and you don't see that as a little bit of shit. You know how you've watched a game with me. That's the shit I'd get on with. I'm not gonna bury Keith for thinking like me, like. <laughs> Okay, can I just say that I think this is such a genuinely beautiful moment that we've somehow found ourselves in a place where I am singing the praises of Nick Foligno and now you won't give it to him. This is... (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's something that... The points in every game. Producer just said that we Freaky Friday'd. I wish, because that means that I have a 50% chance of being Lindsay Lohan. Second Lindsay Lohan reference on this podcast. And still not enough. <laughs> Got to get on my level with the high hell in the cell, man. Oh, no. I, I can't. Uh, well, I probably could. If we, were not, if we had no time restrictions, I bet I could. But we do. So, let's talk about real quick. I mean, something that we can agree on. Rasmus Sandin. Ooh. My gentle goodness. If I'm the Edmonton Oilers and I'm watching uh, what Rasmus Sandin is able to do when he has a bit of a leash and they're sitting on playing Evan Bouchard, who is an equal caliber player to Sandin, I would say, I'd be mad. But if I'm a Leafs fan, which it seems like I might be. Allegedly you are. Allegedly Leafs fan. Um, Rasmus Sandin has been a delight. He has been incredible to watch. I keep going back to will we see him in the playoffs if everybody's healthy. That's what I keep going back to. I, 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 part of me thinks, and I hate to say this because it's almost like going back to the Babcock era, but part of me thinks the tiebreaker goes to the veteran. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Sandine slots back into the, you know, the, the, the holster there unless he's needed. So right now, because I think you're, you like, you're not moving Brody. Brody's incredible. Riley is Riley. Mm-hmm. Muzzin is, is probably the best defenseman on the team most years. Justin Hall, I can't see him moving, uh, even though he has had a bit of a weaker little, little way. So it comes he's, down to Travis he's out, Dermott, he's for Zach Bogosian, and Sandine. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I got to be honest, I'm making room for Rasmus Sandine personally. Uh, I, and that I, means that I, got, I put both Dermot and Bogosian on a real short leash. Well, lost in all this is Justin Hall's going to miss tonight's game. Uh, he got a puck really hard in the Chicklets on Saturday night. So uh, Detective Timothy Jimothy is slotting in for him. That's Tim Lilligren. So, <laughs> okay, so there's definitely like one Oilers fan who just heard you say Timothy Jimmy and is now Googling who Timothy Jimothy is. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I don't know. That's my question that like, 
with the games wrapping down, I think we're going to see a lot of different Leafs looks. That's one question I'm looking for. So if it's opening night of the playoffs, is Rasmus Sandin on the ice or is he in the press box? And that's – I don't have an answer right now. I, I just can't. And that's okay. I can't give – Even if you had an answer, an answer, we wouldn't have time to give it. <laughs> we have one minute and our guest is here. So we're going to bring him on right now. And we are – we often do not a good, do a good enough job covering the Jets. So here's some good meaty Jets content. I hate how I said that, but Tim, Tim Gray <laughs> meaty is – Jets. Meaty Jets. Please welcome Tim Gray, a Winnipeg Jets fan and a great comic. Get the uh, jersey back there. Who have you got on the back of that one? Uh, I put Pionk on the back of it. Oh. oh my god I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen it this year but like the awful awful jets 10-year logo that they have on yeah, center yeah. ice it's the big x it took forever to figure out what the hell it was all about even but uh, a friend of mine has a jersey shop here in winnipeg his name is keener he used to be a comedian and, and now he's like a really successful jersey maker he does like third jerseys for nashville and uh, uh oh, st louis cool. i think and does some work for the Jets, but he was, um, uh, they were obviously slow this year with COVID and stuff like that. And he wanted to keep his sewers employed. So he told all the comics, like, if you want any names, just bring the jersey down and he'll do it. So I got Pionk Whoa. because I love Pionk. He's great. Does, and uh, I'm a Neil Pionk fan too. So let me actually, maybe we'll ask you this to start. When the sure. Pionk trade came through, were, yeah. what your initial thought when because it was true but going the other way because yes. he wanted to go way where his wife could work which i think is kind of reasonable absolutely but then i was like okay that's that kind of sucks and then i was like man i don't know even even salary aside which peon you know is, is makes so much less money yeah i'm like oh, i think yeah. i'd rather have peon oh yes this i mean you know it's funny i i keep thinking about like the one time, uh, I think it was against St. Louis, game seven. Uh, it was a tie game, like 2-2 two, two or 3-3 three, three or something like that. And Truba was trying to just kill. It was like 20 seconds left on the clock, and he was trying to kill it in our corner. And mm-hmm. instead of dumping it, like he had a couple lanes open, he had some other options. Uh, and he decided to just put his foot on it. And then maybe it was Nashville the second, like 2019. But anyways, like puck popped out, goes in the net. We lose the series. And I just like, for some reason, haven't let go of that decision that he made, you know? Yeah, you know, no, like, I would he's got like game winning goals and stuff like that. But he just didn't want to be here. And that's the whole Jets dilemma. So yeah. few players want to be here. Like, are you going to pick Las Vegas or Winnipeg? You know, like <laughs> sure. if you even even any of the other Canadian markets, you know, Ottawa, they're not doing so great, but they got some young grit and whatnot. And you're still close to a bunch of big cities. Winnipeg, we're in the middle of nowhere. So we have to use like the drafting system and stuff like that. We have to pick people, uh, you know, like Mark Shifley, who is going to just be a, hopefully a franchise guy and 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 uh, grit guys like Wheeler and stuff like that. But, yeah, I'm so happy with the Pionk trade. It's been such a delight watching him play. He's on my fantasy team this year, too, so I got Me too. extra Ooh. coins in the pocket oh, for okay. the guy, you know? Yeah. If, if, I were, if I were a Jet scout, you know what questions I would add to my, like, repertoire? Yeah. I'd be like, hey, do you like, uh, you like skidoos? Do you like hunting? Yeah. Do you like cabins? Yeah. Have you ever gone snowshoeing? Truly. A lot of our yeah. guys are from Minnesota. Yeah. They, oh, you exactly, know. man. It's right. like, yeah, have you ever gone yeah. ice fishing? How do you feel yeah. about the music of John K. Sampson? Oh, oh love everyone it. loves that. Yeah. No, I meant as that. a draft question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to get them early. You want to get them early. <laughs> Spent a lot of time in the minors. <laughs> guys paid his dues for sure. Um, it is funny. I was going to, for a minute, I was like, because I've been to Winnipeg a couple times now. Yeah. Man, Winnipeg's, I actually think Winnipeg's kind of cool and it has a fun art scene and stuff. But oh, I was yeah. Like, what fucking hockey player cares about a fun yes. art scene? Well, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, not like yeah. Blake Wheeler sticks around because he's on an improv team. Yeah. <laughs> every, uh, yeah every, every guy that I speak to that has spent time in Winnipeg from the art side of stuff is like, yeah. oh, no, it's like a hidden gem for Canada. Right. And every person who's like athletic that has gone to Winnipeg, it's like, yeah. they're really good at pancakes. That's, that's <laughs> the, pancakes. pancakes is one of the things wow. I keep hearing back is like, yeah, there's a lot of different 
varieties of band. I've never been, so. Yeah. I think, Charles, you've been taken for a ride by someone who's never actually been to Winnipeg. That sounds like something <laughs> someone would make it's, up in a band. But it's like, it's like three people have told me that. Huh. There's like, there's all kinds of pancake options. There's a couple big pancake houses in town, <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. The family that runs the pancakes in this town, no doubt. They're, <laughs> they're in charge. No one's questioning that. Uh, we, get, we get called up for our pierogies a lot in our town. We have a lot of uh, big Ukrainian population. And uh, uh, this old story, uh, John Candy used to have pierogies flowing out from this now-closed restaurant called Alicia's uh, to movie sets and stuff like that. Flown oh, out from Winnipeg. Arrows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it is, it's a hard sell uh, to come. And it's, it's the smallest market of all the NHL franchises. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, according to our website, we sell the most merch. So we, we have a pretty decent fan base around it, but you know what I mean? It almost just, feels like a, like a junior team that like the people there are just cra- not in the totally. sense that the team doesn't, but like the just people there are crazy about it. It's so localized. Yeah. The arena is so loud. I think, Oh yeah. I mean, if you're like a hockey purist, you got to think that man playing in a, in the playoffs in an arena like that is yeah. like gotta be at least somewhat appealing. I know this year that's not there, but yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely, it's gotta be, it's gotta be exciting. And I remember when the uh, pure Luke Dubois uh, trade went down and watching, watching his like grin uh, when he was talking about coming to Winnipeg to play was like so exciting and that's part of the package is you have to find players who are talented and also their parents live here. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to ask yourself if Pierre-Luc Dubois could cook and clean for himself, would he want to get traded to Winnipeg yeah. so If badly? he had to pay for his own cheese, he probably wouldn't yeah. come to Winnipeg. <laughs> Maybe that's what they got to start doing. They got to start like before, even before the draft, be like, do you have a younger brother or sister? Would they like a job at one of our many world famous pancake shops? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How do you, how are you feeling about the Dubois line eight trade? I mean, line eight scratched again tonight. Man, that's so fucked up. That's so fucked up. There was a, uh, sorry, I don't know if I can say fuck. Three times oh, you can. Good. We have no, uh, we have no standards whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they just gave me the finger. Okay. Uh, uh, Charles' ass is out right now for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, funny. And come to your mic. Now it's clapping. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the man. I have so much love for Patrick Lina. He came here when he was eighteen and just lit it up. Like he gave us so many exciting games where his shot was just unreal and the way he left winnipeg what was it a three-point night where he scores the overtime winner and just crashes it like that's if that's your last game in town you know you're going on on a high note and i hope he gets the fuck out of columbus Mm -hmm. and somewhere where they can like develop that talent because i think maybe he's gonna have a year or two of a lull where he's questioning his game perhaps but he's gonna he's only gonna get better like uh, he was developing like a two-way forward. I remember watching one game when Bufflin was still playing and uh, uh, Dustin Bufflin gave him the hurry up hand sign on the ice because he wasn't back checking like that. We all saw it plain and simple. Wow. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't see that every time. He's yeah. a really unique guy, Line A. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that you have... I'm glad that you have the view of like I'm going to miss him because he was a special player. Yeah. Because it rem- like he showed up at 18 and already it's like finish kid, elite goal Huge. scorer, Timo, 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 and it was like ah, yeah. oh, don't right, do right. this to the poor guy. Like don't. Yeah. And really, it, for what he was drafted as, man, he lived up to his part of the deal. For sure. Like if you're drafting Pat Line A to back check, like in the rookies. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You find yeah. some guy to play the third line to stick with him and he'll back check for yeah. him. Like he'll go yeah. twice as hard for him. And you you could kind of kind of get away with that when you have like Dustin Bufflin on the blue mm-hmm. line, red line, goal line. The guy was like all over the ice. He was the size of a polar bear and he moved like a butterfly. Like he, he, oh, yeah. well said. 
He's, he was a that was dog. like a John K. Sampson lyric. <laughs> <laughs> I have been listening to him lately. <laughs> oh, he rules. I'm so happy. Yeah. 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 Okay. You know that scene? Did you ever see the Mighty Ducks? Oh, yeah. It's like the new one? <laughs> no, the old the new one. one. <laughs> but you know when like you get to the second period and they're all down in the dumps and then all of a sudden the second Bash brother shows up with his hockey bag and it's... Oh, the, like, yeah. Imagine if Dustin Buffalo did that in game one. <laughs> We kept joking, like, if, you know, before COVID hit last year, if Jets were to make the playoffs, <laughs> that they would, like, lower Bufflin from the <laughs> score clock <laughs> in the middle of the game. <laughs> you know, he'd be all just been living in the score clock. That's where it's He'd be all overweight and, like, his equipment doesn't fit. <laughs> like yeah. Just down. And... I've seen a picture of him recently, and he does look. Uh, oh, yeah. He's not a small man. No, I mean, he, he made it work, he but uh, he doesn't look like he's in game shape. I'll say that no. respectfully to a man <laughs> who could literally the... end my life with a finger. Did you hear the story of him when he played for Chicago? It was like his early, early couple of years. It would have been like the second year or something like that. And he showed up to training camp and he's overweight. And they put him on like a diet plan and gave him like a, you know, a pretty strict diet that he had to follow. And then it was like later that week, the owner of the Blackhawks is at the Cubs game and he runs into Dustin Bufflin and he's got two big hot dogs and like <laughs> two big beers. <laughs> he's just stuffing his face. Uh, I, I do remember one year there was like the shortened, the lockout shortened season. He right. came in and he was like the same thing. He was like, he was out of shape. And then within like, four or five weeks he just like dropped yeah. it crazy and i was just like man how is that even possible something they like profiled his like trainer and stuff and it was oh, like yeah. yeah he came in not in his best shape and now he's like the lightest playing weight has ever been and he had a three-point night last night and i'm like fuck yeah ow. yeah what about oh, dubois dubois a big guy in a in shape type of way but like absolutely you know i think i do i do love it because there's something like about a player gets traded and everyone's like well fuck this guy i never yeah. quite sits right with me and i think yeah. Lene, what he did at a young age while he has had a couple of rough seasons was so special absolutely but about dubois though like about yeah. him as a player how have you because he has flown under the radar a little bit that's it not a jets pun i had him <laughs> i had him on my fantasy hockey league last year so i kind of followed him a little bit through columbus and uh uh uh, I'm I'm so happy with uh, how he's kind of fitting into this squad, but Winnipeg's going through, uh, to say it very lightly, like uh, growing pains right now. Like we had an excellent first half of the season. Uh, we didn't lose two games in a row, and then now we're six games in regulation. That's like a record for the coach. We have he's never lost this many games in regulation in a row, and he's moving the lines around like crazy, which. I think maybe is like a strategy, like he's preparing for possible, you know, line mix-ups in the playoffs. Like maybe he's preparing for that by, by, I don't know, moving people around. But I really hope that uh, Pierre-Luc kind of gets a foothold in the team, in a system, and can uh, kind of show us what he can do. He's got some beautiful goals already uh, yeah. for the Jets. He does have some sick hands. Like he is the kind of guy where – I think if uh, a puck comes bouncing towards him and he's just in front of the net, he can find a way to get it in. You know, he's got like uh, – he doesn't quite have Patrick Laine hands, but he definitely has the physicality. Uh, he can definitely move around the ice, and, and uh, he seems to be a smart hockey player. He seems to be – his hockey IQ looks like it's pretty high. I mean, I, I don't know. I think he's happy to be here, and that's a win in my column. And uh, um I don't know. I think I think we're yet to see his full potential. Yeah. I wonder if how much of that line flipping around is just Nick Ehlers went out and he was probably their best player this year. Now it's just like trying to find guys who can plug a hole there. But how even you... before Ehlers went out, he was like almost every other game he was, oh, I mean, he had the same, uh, they had the same lineup, like the same players dressed for like 16 games in a row or something like that. But, but he was uh, messing around with the combinations. He would do it like third period. Third period, he would come out and he would have a completely different line combination for the rest of that period. And right, what's the works, temperature of Paul different. Maurice out there? Like, because that was, that was my next question. I've, I was I've, wondering, I've, yeah, uh, and I, because yeah. you know he 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 bench he's pulled Hellebuck early a couple times, and he's mm-hmm. he's uh, 
he, he we were talking about last week, he benched Shifley. And then yeah. players have been like, actually, I don't know if Charles, Charles has a better mind for quotes and stuff. So this is anything if you, if you remember it specifically, but I'm like, oh, there's players actually speaking out. It's not a, uh, that's pretty yeah, rare. So the, but both of the guys, their quotes were very like, uh, they pretty much both said it's like sentence. I don't agree with it. Sentence. But that's not my call to make uh, yeah. with Shifley and Hallibuck, respectively. I did go back and watch, like I rewatched the uh, Leafs Jets game where Shifley got benched. Right, and it's one line change where you just you can't you can't make that change. Like he's not even moving his legs or yes. lower body at all, and he's like staring up skyward as if he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like staring up as if he's yeah. looking for Dustin Bufflin to come down from the score <laughs> clock, maybe. I don't know. Like, yeah, but, no, that would be great. <laughs> I, I mean, I like, I like the idea. I, I, I personally was a fan of him benching Shifley in that moment because I think it shows that even the most talented player needs to be held accountable for mistakes that they make on the ice. They're all human. They're all going uh, to make their mistakes. And if you don't hold them accountable, you let them get away with really dogging it at the end of a way too long shift when the yeah. whole season i think this the the key to their success has been short shifts everyone gets uh you know short amount of ice time keep your legs fresh it's a fast game now uh you can't be doing two over two minutes in a shift watch them score a goal on a three on two or a three on one and then you know expect to not be held accountable for that like yes we probably missed him for the six minutes that he was off the ice or whatnot. Maybe he could have gotten a goal. You know, we got the one goal in our 6-1 loss to Edmonton. But um, I don't know. I, I, I thought that I, I liked, the, liked that he held him accountable. The thing with Paul Maurice is there's really two camps in Winnipeg. There's one camp that's, you know, ready to storm the gates and throw him out. And, and there's the other camp that's like, you know, he's been here a long time and he's – done some really good things with his team and his system seemed to work and he's also extremely entertaining to watch like if you get a chance watch mm-hmm. some of the pressers with Paul Maurice like he doesn't he doesn't mince words but also he talks in riddles sometimes it's hilarious <laughs> like the 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 media asked him if he was too uh if he thought he was too strict on stuff or something like that or or if he was too uh stuck in his ways and uh and then he described how he's like i don't think i am but uh i will never put ketchup on a hot dog (laughs) (laughs) he's the only coach i know that broke out like my favorite quote all year is they're like you think blake wheeler's numbers are bad or someone used the term like underlyings and he's like his effort is unimpeachable. You come out here talking about my captain with all your fancy numbers, and I don't believe him. Then he rattles off a bunch of prorated stats. Yes. He's like, we're four, game, we're four games in, and he's scoring at a 2.4 game pace over 82 games. And I'm like, yes. Oh, buddy. I, uh, Paul, yeah, I think you're telling on yourself here. Prepared for that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, here's he also, the quote. Let me read the quote here. It just came up here. It says, you'll do your deep dives and your analytics, and boy, do they do a horseshit job of telling you what five guys do. <laughs> I'm sensitive to it because I've been in awe of this guy since I got here, Murray said. His work level, his, he's unimpeachable in his character and how he runs that room, how he plays. He's got 11 points in 10 games. So, yeah, that is a quote. That is, I don't necessarily yeah, exactly agree with him it. because, I mean, some of – I mean, I think there is – there's a little bit of smoke – where there's smoke, there's fire in terms of sure. Wheeler has gone downhill a little bit this year. I think he's playing with an injury. I really do. Like, there's times where you see him on the bench and he's kind of wincing. Like, it seems like it's a busted rib or something oh, like wow. that. Like, something that he feels he can play through. I mean, he's, he's, he's just not as explosive self. A great Wheeler clip. If you guys want to uh, check it out, go back and see his uh, when he played for college hockey for Minnesota, and he got the game-winning goal uh, like uh, overtime or something like that, and they won the uh, the the finals for their. Uh, but it was like a diving goal, like he's just fighting off these defensemen. He's maybe just barely faster than dives, chops the puck from like the circle, like the center of the circle, and it top shelf goes in they win wow. the series he, that's the kind of grit that he has we call him the sandman there's also rumors oh. that he like would prank uh, some players and put sand in their skates before Ooh. practice that's such a specific thing to be like this is going to be my signature 
know. <laughs> the, like the wet bandits kind of move. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, is he, one of, is he one of those criminals from Home Alone? It's our yeah. calling card. Oh, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just a I mean, 20 pound bag of sand in his booth. It's like, who did this? That's why they <laughs> traded Patrick Laine. He kept heating up the doorknobs with a blowtorch, and they're like, this has gone too far. <laughs> Paul Maurice comes out, and his hat is just blown off. <laughs> yeah. His face is all charred. <laughs> So it's oh, funny, yeah. Uh, we, we got we got to Maurice because I'm a guy that loves like the the, the most chaotic news that you could create in the hockey environment. And yeah. all I could think was after the Dubé line a trade, clearly there's a coaching change coming in Columbus. That's a foregone. And then there's like a little bit of the water's getting turned up on a coaching change in Winnipeg. And can you just imagine if Tortorella and oh my Winnipeg. god. Like that's all I can think. Like yeah. as the season goes on, it's like not not the craziest, not the craziest idea. <laughs> that would be wild. Yeah. That would be wild and, and insane. I don't know. I mean, do you think? Do you, oh, sorry, sorry, Tim, go ahead. I apologize. No, I was just gonna say they're both very entertaining in their press conferences, and they hold no punches. So, <laughs> do you think though, if the Jets don't make it, like, what does Paul Maurice need to accomplish in the postseason to keep his job, or do you think it's not on the line at all? I um. I don't think it's on the line at all. I think that Kevin Sheveldayoff, the GM for the Winnipeg Jets, has shown he's invested fully in Paul Maurice. Now, that will, I think this season he's safe. I think next season it depends on how we come out of the gate. And, and, and yeah, I don't know. I think he's safe this season. And I kind of, I'm kind of reveling in the fact that the Winnipeg Jets are in a big losing streak right now because – if like we just kept hot till the end of the season and then all of a sudden we're Tampa Bay lightning and we're, we're swept in the first round or, you know, I would hate to see that. I think a, a losing streak right now might build some grit and some uh, might bond the team together a little bit, you know, and then uh, who knows, maybe the rest of the season we start lighting it up a little bit. Although I just don't think we're going to be able to get past uh, the Oilers. I got the Oilers have our number. Like, We've only beat them twice this year, and both times we had to score six goals. So, Shit. I mean, I'm up. I, I think like it feels like they studied Toronto a lot, and it feels like we can kind of pair up with the Maple Leafs um, on a good day, you know. Um, but I think the Oilers have our number. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's, it's definitely bizarrely, it's a battle in, in that game of like high end forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, great goaltending. That's the weird part. The yeah. high end forwards is not that shocking, but like I, I think, think the Vesna winner. Hellebuck, well, that's what I like. and, and like not a not a fluky Vesna winner. Like no. I think Hellebuck's been besides Ehlers. Maybe I mean it's hard to compare a goalie in, right. a, in, a, in a forward anyway. Of course, but I think he's been the most impressive Winnipeg Jet. I think he's the best. Agreed. Between him and Vasilevsky, I think it's pretty clear that they're the probably the two best goalies in the league. Yeah, when they're going. Like, have you guys seen? Uh... Connor's pregame ritual that he does when he's standing at the goal line before they drop the puck and he's got his helmet off and he he trains his eyes like he he moves his head side to side as fast as he can and he's constantly like that's the way he prepares he shakes his head as fast as he can and he's constantly moving his eyes left and right so he can train his eyes to lock in on something if his head's moving really fast it's really insane to watch but it's really weird because Charles does that when he tweets <laughs> He's just in the actually, zone. Yeah, Con- Con- Connor Hellebuck spent some time here in St. John's, actually, yeah. uh, in the crease for the St. John's Ice Caps. It's funny nice. because I, I got to watch a ton of the Winnipeg Jets uh, birth ice. I don't know what words I'm saying there. The Winnipeg Jets <laughs> version of the Ice Caps. Yeah, that's right. what I was looking for. I don't know where, oh, okay. But yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, the the only guys that like there were a bunch of dudes on the on the depth chart that I were like these guys are going to be for sure fire players in the NHL, and none of them panned out besides Adam Lowry who played maybe like three oh. games down here for a playoff run. Once. No way. Yeah, I love Adam. Al- La- <laughs> I love Adam Lowry. Um, <laughs> he's, he's another guy. Took a lot of heat. Uh, <laughs> took a lot of heat Terrence. for uh, drafting him early in a fantasy league this summer. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of heat from uh, two of the four people in this, uh, in this Zoom call. 
Um, okay, so we're, we, we're getting near the end of our time there. Okay. So I had a couple quick questions. One, this sure. is a fun question I've asked every guest so far, and it's which player on the Jets is not appreciated enough by the hockey fans in the country and the media? Oh, yeah. I got that one for sure. Derek Forbert. Whoa, okay. Derek Forbert on the blue line. He's He is... Uh, he is an incredibly talented, smart hockey player. Like if you watch a lot of the big goal highlights where it's kind of a, a big breakout and then a couple dishes and then it's a goal or like a big momentum shift, a lot of that, if you go, if you reverse the tape enough, you see that it's something Forbert did in our zone where he's in the corner. He checks the forward in a certain way. He makes some space for himself. He sets up a pass, which moves the momentum down the ice. And then we get a big, uh, a big goal. He's um, he's one of the most consistent. Like Neil Pionk has been great, and 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 his power play is so good. And he's do he does these like little spinneroos and stuff like that, which is fun to watch. A little bit of flourish on the ice, but uh, Forbert has just been like rock solid, and he can he can just create space. He's him and uh, like Trevor Lewis and uh, Nate Thompson, these fourth line, you know, bottom of the barrel suitcase kind of hockey players uh, who have played for, I don't know, probably a dozen teams in total between them. They're mm-hmm. all uh, just great dudes to watch on the fourth line. Who, uh, Not to say that Forbert is a fourth liner, but uh, I don't know. They just don't get a lot of credit. They don't get a lot of, um, they're not many highlight reels because you just watch the uh, clip past the red line, but they're the ones, uh, you know, making a lot of shit happen in the back end and, and giving us chances and uh, showing up for Hellebuck when he needs us on a night out. Okay, so you're not too concerned. Charles, do you have anything else before I ask the, the final question? Uh, <laughs> That's very dramatic. Two things. Yeah, yeah, two things. Your your buddy that does the jersey work, does he have a website? Because I'm a jersey nerd. This oh, is yeah. personal question. Keener, yeah. Keener's jersey, so K-E-E-N-E-R, Keener's jerseys. you got to check them out. Uh, they do great stuff. Um, he's also, he is an absolute genius when it comes to jerseys. We, we used to do this, uh, aforementioned uh, Ryan Ash, him and I used to do the show in town here called late night wars, where the two of us were hosting a late night talk show simultaneously on stage and we <laughs> would compete funny. segment by segment. So we would both do monologue jokes. And the audience would vote and then we both do like a topical thing or whatever and we both interview a guest and then uh by the end of the night the audience would decide which one of us hosted the show that night um but we had keener on and i i played this game with him where i had like six six images of old jerseys and it was a zoom zoomed in so you can only see two colors at most and then you know punch out and with the reveal and i showed him six uh six or eight different jerseys like that he got them all right including like a 1947 boston bruins third jersey or something like that wow and then the very last this guy's on my level (laughs) yeah the very last slide i um it wasn't a jersey it was just a zoomed in uh image of a tattoo that ryan ash has on his shoulder and then Keener was like, I don't know, it looks like something from Ryan's body. <laughs> and he zoomed out and he got it. Like he got oh, all the way. Oh, that's, the place must have went up. Oh, man. Yeah. One of the most electric nights in comedy. Okay. And Charles, and, you said you had two questions. What's your yeah, second one? Yeah. The, the second one, which is an actual relatable question, not just me shopping uh, online. I thought that was a fun off. question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if the jets could get out of the first round what do you think the best story for them beating a team would be like what what would be your your like your favorite outcome for them beating someone in the first round who would you want it to be little it be edmonton oh um yeah i mean it, it looks like we might be dropping down to the fourth spot which would put us against i don't know probably not we'll probably be facing edmonton um I think like best case scenario, it would be such a such a deadly match. But if Nikolai Ehlers like comes out, they lower him from the score clock for game one <laughs> and he just lights it up. Like he had an issue with the first few years where he wouldn't he couldn't score in the playoffs. And it was it was like four years or something like that where he couldn't get a goal in the playoffs. And he finally got one like two years ago. Um, the last time we were in the playoffs, and he did this big like he 
pulled the monkey off his back kind yeah. of motion after he scored. And it was such a nice moment. And now that Patrick Laine is no longer with the Jets, it's opened up Ehlers to be like a the shoot guy, the go for it, score. Like, we know you can, take it. So yeah. I would love to see him just light it up in a series against the Oilers. And, of course, Hellebuck playing on his head. And, uh, hey, you know, if they drop a giant Dustin Bufflin for game seven from the score <laughs> clock, I'm not going to get mad at that either. Yeah, the, well, the that's, what I I keep that's coming, definitely. I think I think Ehlers keep... is the most underrated player probably on that team. So we yeah. only got a couple minutes there. So we almost it's almost certain that it's going to be Leafs, Habs, uh, Jets, Senators. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> um, what are your predictions for who's coming out of this division? And you know what? We've never been able to ask this yet, but if you want to lay some predictions for the first round matchups as well. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Let's say um, if I'm being realistic and I'm not just being a homer, I think the Oilers would probably take us in six unless, um, you know, unless you really light it up for the rest of the season. I, I think the Oilers would move through. And uh, fuck, yeah, Toronto is going to just smoke Montreal and just embarrass them. <laughs> I don't I'd like uh, Montreal. It. But uh, I I do like Toronto. Like, it's been so fun to watch that team. There's some Toronto fans that make it difficult to, like, admire. It's like, hey, I'm just – I'm saying I like your team. Yeah. Yeah, it would be so great if uh, if Toronto just got a foothold in the goaltending world and then then went on a run, you know what I mean? So you think the the Leafs would beat the Oilers? Yeah, I think so. I think so. This fucking rules. (laughs) <laughs> I, I keep coming back to the Ottawa Senators team that just owned the Leafs all season long in 2001, I believe. Just owned them all year long. Uh, the Leafs couldn't get within two or three goals in the regular season. Oh, wow. And then they match up in the first round, and Toronto sits them pretty quickly because the five-on-five game is so much more important in the playoffs. Right. And when I look at this Jets-Oilers matchup, a lot of people are saying it's going to be a cakewalk for the Oilers, but five-on-five, five, I like the Jets more. Yeah. I think the, so, too. They, and they have more lines. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, actually, no, that sounded like I said it wrong, uh, and it's no. not what I tried to say, but it's true. Because Edmonton has one line, and Jets have, at worst, two-and-a-half, and in my yeah. opinion, three-and-a-half. Yeah. Five-on-five, five, we can hold our own, and definitely, like, Neil Pionk pairing up with Connor McDavid is fun to watch. Like, Pionk kind of holds his own a little bit. Uh, he can definitely keep uh, keep pace with him. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the playoffs go. I think there's no bolder take to leave you on than I think Neil Pionk can step with Connor <laughs> McDavid. I think that's the perfect way for this Jets fan to leave this show. Yeah. Tim, thanks, buddy. Oh, Neil you have Pionk a new album out. Hunks, your, your comedy sketch group has an album out. Do you want to plug that? Yes. Uh, Mouth Beef is unfortunately the name of the album. <laughs> Mouth Beef. Um, say it twice. It's that nice. Okay. Uh, check it out, hunkscomedy.com. It's on Bandcamp. It's uh, wherever you get albums. It's a fun sketch comedy album recorded live here in Winnipeg. So if you want to remember what an audience sounded like in a small room and you're not in a place where you can do that yet, check it out. Tim, thanks so much, buddy. It's good to see you. It's great to see you, man. It's really nice. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, uh, maybe Maybe we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Good luck with the rest of the season, but uh, I'll see you on Instagram. Sounds great. All right. Bye, thanks, bye. Tim. Bye.